Welcome, dear listeners, to another intriguing episode of Economic Enigmas. Today, we embark on a journey through the hallowed hallways of economic theory, tracing the footsteps of Alan Greenspan. Close your eyes and imagine yourself in the bustling heart of Washington, D.C., circa early 2000. There's an air of palpable tension and confusion. The stage, a world where the very tenets of economic behavior were being subtly rewritten. When the guardians of the economy, the Federal Reserve, nudged short-term interest rates upward, the traditional dance would have the long-term rates rise in tandem. But not this time. This time, long-term interest rates remained defiantly low. The strings that once bound them seemed to have unraveled. As Esa Greenspan, the economic maestro of his era, caught in a web of mystery as the financial world watched with bated breath. The conundrum wasn't just a hiccup in financial charts. It was an enigma that beckoned the brightest minds to unravel its depths. As we leaf through the annals of research, a pantheon of theories emerges from the shifting sands of global savings and the investment tide of emerging markets, like the behemoth China, to the growing appetite of foreign central banks for the once stalwart long-term treasury securities. Each theory, a unique lens, offering a different perspective. Delving deeper, we see the relationship landscape evolve. The once stable bond between the 10-year treasury yield and the federal funds rate of the 1980s seems like a distant memory. New patterns emerge in the 90s and 2000s, painting a canvas of complexity and reshaping the economic terrain. Yet, the heart of Greenspan's conundrum might lie in global dynamics. As burgeoning economies amass wealth, their gaze turned to the U.S., driving up demand for treasury securities and, perhaps, anchoring those long-term interest rates. The enigma of Greenspan's conundrum is a testament to the ever-evolving world of economics. It serves as a poignant reminder that the financial symphony we so often take for granted is full of nuanced melodies and unexpected harmonies. As we draw the curtains on today's discussion, we invite you to delve deeper into this captivating topic with our accompanying PDF. The twists and turns of Greenspan's conundrum await your keen eyes. Thank you for joining us on this economic odyssey. Until next time, may your curiosity remain insatiable and your thirst for not. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Young Futures Unveiled, where we navigate the e interplay of past choices and future potential. Today, we dive deep into the echoing repercussions of choices made during one's youth, choices that sometimes veer into the labyrinth of the juvenile justice system. Our discussion today illuminates the heavy shadows cast by juvenile adjudication on an individual's journey through life, education, and work. Picture this. A 15-year-old stands in a cold, sterile courtroom, their heart racing, as the gavel falls and stamps their fate. In this defining moment, that minor receives more than just a label of guilty. They receive a weight they must carry, possibly for a lifetime. How might this weight alter their path? How might it contour the trajectory of their dreams and aspirations? 
from the bustling corridors of New York schools to the sunlit streets of California. This is a shared tale, echoing with the hopes, setbacks, and resilience of thousands. In our episode today, we unpack an enlightening study titled The Impact of Juvenile Conviction on Human Capital and Labor Market Outcomes, housed within the pages of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis Review. Golan, Hai, and Wabashewski offer a deep dive into the ripples caused by youthful transgressions. Utilizing a tapestry of data from the National Longitudinal Survey of Youth 1997, the study paints a portrait of young individuals and follows their steps, some ascending the ladder of education and prosperity, others hindered by the shackles of their past. Their findings? Stark. A juvenile conviction can cast long shadows, dimming the brightness of high school diplomas, college degrees, and vibrant careers. However, amidst these somber findings, glimmers of hope shine through. Potential salvation? On the job, OTJ training, a beacon guiding these individuals back onto a path of growth and prosperity. The magic of OTJ lies in its transformative power molding skills and building bridges to opportunities that might otherwise remain distant dreams. But age, as it seems, plays its part. A conviction ad is not the same as one ad. The former faces steeper hills to climb, longer battles to fight. And yet the narrative doesn't end there. Recidivism, the ghostly specter of repeated. Offenses looms larger for those with juvenile convictions. It's a poignant reminder of the need for societal nets and support systems. Systems that catch, guide, and uplift. For isn't it our collective responsibility to ensure the youngest among us are equipped to rise, thrive, and contribute? This episode serves as both an introspection and a clarion call. It's a journey. Through the intricate pathways of choices, consequences, and, most importantly, redemption. As we sign off, we implore you to ponder, to discuss, and to champion causes that protect and nurture our society's young potential. Thank you for joining us on Young Futures Unveiled. Here, every story is a lesson. And every lesson, a beacon. Until next time, keep learning, keep caring. Greetings, esteemed listeners. Welcome to Trade Tides Amp, Times, your compass. Guiding you through the swirling currents of the global trade arena. Today, we're voyaging into the turbulent waters of trade wars, exploring the intricate tapestries woven by tariffs and protectionism, and the tales they tell of productivity, prosperity, and plight. Imagine the bustling ports of Shanghai, or the industrious factories in Detroit, there. Pulses synchronize to the ebb and flow of global trade. But suddenly, storm clouds gather on the horizon, tariffs rise, barriers are erected, and trade retaliations echo across continents. As these trade tempests rage, what becomes of the lifelines of industries and the heartbeat of consumers? Trade wars, born from the desire to shield local prowess from foreign giants, or perhaps to level uneven playing fields, often carry in their wake a ripple of unintended cascades. 
Envision businesses, once thriving on the global buffet of resources, now grappling with mounting costs as tariffs soar, dimming the lights of productivity, stifling innovation, and causing investments to retreat into their shells. But, dear listener, the story doesn't end at factory gates. Venture into the bustling marketplaces and witness the silent tales of consumers. Prices climb, shelves sometimes echo with emptiness, and the ordinary shopper feels the pinch, their dreams of affluence fading like evening sunsets. Yet, within this tapestry of turbulence, silver linings shimmer. Could diplomacy and negotiation, crafting robust trade packs, be the beacon guiding us away from these stormy waters? Perhaps the antidote lies not just in policy chambers, but also in the bustling classrooms and training centers. Empowering our workforce, equipping them with skills refined for tomorrow's world, can be the sails that help us navigate these tumultuous trade winds. Trade wars, with their intricate dance of defense and retaliation, are narratives of both conflict and lessons learned. Beneath the surface-level skirmishes lie deeper currents of global interdependence, the shared dreams of prosperity, and the age-old tale of adaptability. As we anchor this episode, let's remember that the landscape of global trade is ever-evolving, colored by both challenges and opportunities. While trade wars can cast transient shadows, the dawn of collaboration, understanding, and resilience always awaits on the horizon. Thank you for charting these waters with us on Trade Tides Amp. Times. Together, we'll continue to map the contours of global commerce, understanding its depths and wonders. Until our next voyage, stay curious. Greetings, fellow seekers of knowledge. Today, we embark on an exploration into the intricate dance between health crises and economic machinations. Imagine a giant, interconnected web where a tremor at any single point ripples across the entire structure. That, my friends, is the enigmatic relationship between the tumultuous waves of the COVID-19 pandemic and the global economy. Deep within this tempest, economists and researchers have toiled tirelessly, trying to unveil patterns, decode behaviors, and predict futures. Their compass, dynamic macroeconomic models that act as windows into the economic heartbeat of our world. Picture this, a nation like Colombia with its vibrant streets, bustling markets, and lively spirit suddenly slowing down, its heartbeat muted by the stealthy shadow of the virus. And within this setting, a pioneering article emerges striving to map the ever-evolving dynamics of the pandemic era. This isn't just any economic model. It's alive, breathing, capturing the very essence of human behavior. People, out of instinct or awareness, adjusting their actions to the lurking presence of the virus. This endogenous risk of contagion and inherent self-awareness of society forms the bedrock of this model. The dance between human caution and economic activity is a key player on this grand stage. But wait, there's another layer, the mighty hand of governance, envision. Government mandates, like lockdowns and social distancing measures, 
as invisible barriers molding the flow of the economic river. The model doesn't just stop at capturing these elements, it uses them alongside real Colombian data to weave potential futures, simulating what-ifs of policy actions. Such counterfactual glimpses are crucial. Imagine being able to play out scenarios. Different levels of restrictions, varied vaccination strategies, all within the confines of a model. The implications are profound, both practically for policy designers and theoretically for the scholars of economic lore. In the vast expanse of the pandemic's narrative, this article is a beacon. Bye-bye. Capturing the raw, nuanced dance between human caution, viral spread, and economic dynamics, it offers a lens, both profound and practical, into understanding and navigating the treacherous waters of a pandemic-affected economy. As we conclude today's journey, it's clear that such models not only decode the present but also light up pathways for the future, guiding decisions and strategies. These blueprints, rooted in reality, are invaluable contributions, cementing our understanding of how health crises intricately interplay with economic gears. Thank you, dear listeners, for accompanying us on this expedition into the economic landscape of the COVID era. May we face challenges with knowledge, navigate complexities with understanding, and emerge resilient. Until <music> Greetings, dear listeners. Today, we journey into the rugged terrains and turbulent history of Afghanistan, not as mere spectators, but as explorers keen to understand the intricate dynamics of a nation's pursuit for public goods in the face of overwhelming odds. Imagine, for a moment, the majestic Hindu Kush mountains, standing tall as sentinels, watching over a land that has borne witness to countless narratives of power, conflict, and resilience. Amidst this rich tapestry of history, the recent upheaval in Kabul and the Taliban resurgence have intensified the global gaze onto Afghanistan's socio-political struggles. Today's story unfolds around a central figure, the Afghan army. Once considered the bastion of hope and security, its recent inability to defend its land has raised eyebrows and critical questions. Picture a protective shield encasing a nation, safeguarding its people from external threats. Such is the role of an army, epitomizing what economists would term a public good, but what truly constitutes a public good. It's akin to a lighthouse. It stands tall, guiding every ship without discrimination, without running out of its guiding light no matter how many vessels sail by. Non-excludable and non-rivalrous, public goods like clean air, public parks, and yes, national defense serve all without distinction. Yet, the canvas of Afghanistan is unlike any other. Imagine a colossal jigsaw puzzle. Each piece representing diverse factions and interests, with the Afghan army tasked to fit these pieces into a cohesive picture of security. A Herculean task, isn't it? The army's struggle wasn't merely against external forces, but internal demons as, well, corruption corroding its foundations, delayed salaries draining morale, and a pressing inability to foster collective will. Envision a team where mistrust brews, 
where each player is more focused on individual gain rather than collective victory. The spirit of camaraderie, so essential in battlefields, seemed amiss. Peel back another layer, and we find the concept of self-organization, the innate ability of entities to chart their course without external dictation. Yet, for the Afghan army, this proved an Achilles heel, a design flaw in their structural blueprint. Our exploration today brings forth two potential salves, subsidies that might have acted as elixirs to rejuvenate the army's spirit. First, the Peguvian subsidy, a straightforward approach ensuring soldiers' remuneration. But like an overprotective parent, could this subsidy have inadvertently bred complacency? In contrast, the output resource multiplier subsidy stands as a beacon, amplifying collective effort, acting not just as a paycheck but as a rallying cry for cohesive action. As we weave through the annals of Afghanistan's recent past, we realize that while Public goods are universally sought. The paths to achieving them are intricate mazes shaped by regional peculiarities and historical legacies. Our foray into Afghanistan's challenges, dear listeners, is a testament to the complex interplay of economics, sociology, and geopolitics. While today's tale is a blend of somber reflections and potential solutions, it underscores the indomitable spirit of a nation and its people. Thank you for embarking on this enlightening voyage with us, diving deep into the intricacies of public goods in the Afghan context. May our collective quests for understanding always guide us toward empathy and insight. Until next time, fare thee well. Welcome, intrepid listeners, to another deep dive into the intricacies of our globalized world. Today we sail into the tempestuous waters of global supply chain disruptions amid the backdrop of the COVID-19 pandemic, an era marked by both turbulence and revelation. Imagine for a moment a grand, interconnected web stretching across continents, weaving together the fates of producers, transporters, and consumers alike. This colossal tapestry is our global supply chain, the silent machine behind every product we touch. But in 2020, the machine hiccuped, stuttered, and, at times, ground to a halt. Envision factories, once bustling with activity, now dormant under lockdowns. Vast. Oceans where ships, laden with goods, floated in limbo, unable to dock. Roads once arteries of commerce lying empty due to curfews. This was a world grappling with the immediate tremors of the pandemic. Every disruption sent ripples down the chain, causing momentary lapses to become gaping voids, and these voids inevitably led to soaring prices. One striking twist in this tale was our collective pivot towards durable goods. The, the, four walls of our homes transformed into fortresses of safety and sanctuaries of comfort. The surge for home electronics, cozy furniture, and state-of-the-art appliances surged like never before. Yet the supply chain, caught off guard, struggled to dance to this new tune. Adding layers to this intricate puzzle was the age-old strategy of outsourcing. Picture a delicate ballet where every move is synchronized for perfection. 
When one dancer stumbles, the entire performance is at risk. The vulnerability of relying heavily on one partner, be it due to natural calamities or political upheavals, became glaringly apparent. Take the semiconductor saga, for instance. These tiny chips, the very heartbeats of our digital age, became scarce. Like gold during a rush, their absence sent shockwaves across industries, spotlighting how precariously our modern world hangs on a few pivotal components. But every storm brings lessons. The silver lining? A chance for reform and resilience. Imagine a future where our supply web, once fragile, is now fortified. Where? Diversification isn't just a strategy but a norm. Think of a world where countries don't just look outwards but also inwards, nurturing domestic capabilities, much like a gardener tending to both exotic and native plants. The U.S.'s recent push for domestic semiconductor prowess is a beacon of this. Shift. Such steps, if emulated globally, can transform our supply chains from being mere pathways of goods to resilient ecosystems, buffering against future. Shocks. In the grand tapestry of our global narrative, the COVID-19 chapter is a poignant one. A blend of challenges and revelations. Yet, as with every story, it propels us forward, urging us to adapt, innovate, and evolve. Dear listeners, as we anchor our ship after this enlightening voyage, we thank you for navigating these waters with us. The world of economics is vast, ever-changing, and thrilling. If today's odyssey sparked curiosity, questions, or reflections, our digital shores are always open for discourse. Until our compasses align again on another exploration, fare thee well, and may your journeys be ever- Greetings, dear listeners. Today, we're about to embark on a mesmerizing journey. Into the heart of the economic oracle, peering into the future through the lens of inflation forecasts. Picture this, you're at a bustling marketplace, and as years go by, the prices of those delicious apples, fragrant loaves of bread, and hand-woven textiles start to drift upwards. This, in essence, is inflation, the silent eroder of our purchasing power. Inflation represented by the heartbeat of an economy, the Consumer Price Index, CPI, or the Personal Consumption Expenditures, PC, is not just numbers on a graph. It is the rhythm that influences your daily decisions, from buying a home to sipping on your favorite latte. Now, imagine having a series of crystal balls, each promising a glimpse of this inflationary future. Bennett and Ouyang, two modern-day economic soothsayers from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, embarked on a quest to determine which of these crystal balls, or forecasts, gaze most clearly into the morrow. Picture first the crystal ball of consumers, shimmering with individual hopes and anxieties. It reflects how households perceive future price changes. Then there's the professional sphere, gleaming with polished insights of economists. Beyond these lies the market-based seer, a reflection of the ever-pulsating financial markets. And lastly, the model-based orb, where the past melds with mathematical wizardry to conjure visions of the future. 
as we delve into the tapestry of this decade-long study spanning 2007 to 2017, pattern emerges. Like navigating through a hall of mirrors, some reflections are clearer, more accurate than others. The market-based forecasts, vibrant with real-time sentiments, stand out as the most adept at short-term inflation divination. However, the model-based visions, crafted from the loom of history and data, prove superior in their longer-term clarity. While professional insights generally outshine the consumer's perceptions, both often seem to be caught in an optimistic dance, overestimating inflation's rhythm. And as with any enchanting melody, the song of inflation varies. During the calm serenades of low, steady inflation, all predictions harmonize beautifully. Yet, when the tempo of inflation becomes erratic, the market-based seer dances closest to the truth. So, what does this mesmerizing ballet of predictions mean for the guardians of our economic realms? The authors paint a tapestry of recommendations, suggesting that these policymakers should not be beholden to just one oracle. Instead, they should weave insights from multiple sources, understanding the dance of each, and adapting their strategies with fluidity. As we draw the curtains on today's narrative, one thing is clear, the art of inflation. Forecasting is both a science and a symphony. A delicate balance of data, intuition, and real-world dynamics. Bennett and Ouyang's exploration offers not just a map of the past, but a compass for the future, guiding us through the ebbs and flows of economic tides. We thank you for journeying with us through this illuminating landscape of inflation. Forecasts. May your days be filled with insights, and may you always find clarity amidst the chaos. Greetings, esteemed listeners. Today, you're about to embark on a thrilling odyssey. Diving deep into the pulsating arteries of global innovation, the enigmatic universe of venture capital, often referred to as VC. Picture, if you will, a vast ocean teeming with ships. Each vessel symbolizes an ambitious startup, brimming with dreams and innovations, yet yearning for strong winds to propel them forward. Here's where venture capital emerges as the majestic lighthouse, guiding these vessels, providing them with the wind they so desire. At its core, venture capital is the lifeblood that infuses startups with the nourishment of funding while drawing the elixir of equity in return. But it's not just about money. It's an alliance, a partnership. It's like entrusting an explorer with a map, a compass, and the wisdom of experienced travelers. Casting our gaze back to the mid-20th century, we find the seeds of modern VC taking root. Affluent visionaries perceive the untapped potential in fledgling companies, their belief giving birth to what has now evolved into the powerful VC industry. Today, this industry serves as the backbone for many iconic firms that were once mere ideas. Imagine a world without the Apples, Googles, or Amazons. It's the venture capitalists who ensured we didn't have to. While venture capital might sound like a golden gateway, it's a path paved with challenges. Venturing into the unknown, embracing young companies, 
means embracing uncertainty. Picture a phoenix. Before it rises majestically, it first turns to ash. Many VC-backed startups face a similar destiny, with only a handful soaring to the skies. Yet, it's this very dance with unpredictability, the tantalizing promise of birthing the next unicorn, that lures investors into the VC arena. Now, you may wonder, what's in it for the startups? Beyond the financial fuel, VC firms serve as sagely mentors. They don't just invest money, they invest time, expertise, and invaluable connections. Think of them as the experienced sailors on our ship, navigating through tumultuous waters, ensuring the startup stays its course, reaches its destined port. As our exploration reaches its harbor, one truth remains clear. Venture capital isn't just a financial mechanism. It's the very essence that spurs innovation, fostering growth and revolutionizing industries. The footprints of VC successes are etched not just in stock exchanges, but in our daily lives, in the technologies we use, and in the solutions that shape our tomorrows. Thank you, dear listeners, for joining us on this exhilarating voyage into the world of venture capital. For those whose curiosity has been piqued, the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis Review offers a treasure trove of insights on this topic. We relish your feedback, so send in your thoughts, questions, or even your VC tales. Until our next journey together, keep the spirit of venture and adventure alive, and we'll Greetings, fellow navigators of our contemporary world. As we set sail through, today's discourse, the horizon ahead presents a dilemma that each one of us, from remote cubicles to bustling shop floors, has grappled with for months on end, crafting a safe yet productive work haven in the midst of a pandemic. Close your eyes for a moment. Let's imagine a massive humming machine. This is our global workforce. But the cogwheels of this colossal machine, each representing various job sectors, are not spinning as smoothly as before. The mischievous, albeit dangerous, COVID-19 pandemic is throwing sand into its years. Now, while technology blessed many with the sanctuary of their homes to continue, their roles, it's undeniable that a plethora of professions simply cannot be boxed within four walls. This conundrum of who steps out to face the world and who taps into the digital realm from the safety of their spaces is what we'll delve into today. To illuminate our path, we'll lean on the insights of a meticulous research paper by Sangmin Om, Sangyun, Tim Lee, Lee, and Yong Sok Shin aptly titled Who Should Work From Home During a Pandemic? The Quest for Occupation Industry-Specific Guidelines. Picture, if you will, a beautifully detailed mosaic where each tiny tile represents a specific job. This research essentially assigns two colors to these tiles, one indicating exposure to infection risk, and the other suggesting the feasibility of executing the role remotely. The richer the hue, the more intense the attribute. The authors have intricately constructed two pivotal indexes, the exposure index. Painting a vivid picture of risk based on factors like the intimacy of human interactions and vulnerability to airborne contagions, 
and the WFH Index, depicting the ease of remote work depending on the job nature, technological infrastructure, and the essence of human touch in transactions. The findings? As diverse as a palette of colors. Even jobs seemingly cut from the same cloth displayed varying shades of WFH ability. A revelation emerges, instead of sweeping generalizations of essential and non-essential, a more nuanced surgical approach could slash economic repercussions in half without compromising on health safety. Imagine a master puppeteer deftly maneuvering marionettes on a stage. This is the role policymakers and corporate decision-makers must adopt. Using these dual indexes as their strings, they can orchestrate a performance where those who can and should operate from behind the curtains do so, while others take center stage, ensuring the show goes on, but with minimized risks. In the Grand Theater of Global Economics and Public Health, AIM, Lee, and Shins, insights are like a spotlight, meticulously guiding our steps as we tread the fine line between safeguarding livelihoods and lives. Our voyage through today's topic paints a landscape both stark and hopeful. It's a testament to human resilience, innovation, and the indomitable spirit to find balance, even in chaos. As we anchor this discussion, remember, it's not just about battling a pandemic. It's about reshaping the future of work with wisdom. Thank you, dear listeners, for journeying with us through this intricate tapestry of workplace realities and the rigorous science behind them. Until we meet again on the airwaves, stay informed. Welcome, dear listeners, to another enlightening episode of our podcast, where we delve deep into the multifaceted world of economics. Picture a nation gripped in the uh, uncertainty of a global pandemic. Streets that once bustled with activity now eerily. Silent, businesses with closed indefinitely signs and millions grappling with the reality of sudden unemployment. This is the story of America during the COVID-19 pandemic. And today, we're about to journey through a riveting study, a beacon amidst this chaos. Authored by the astute Iris Arbogast and Bill Dupour. That's right. Their meticulous research paints a vivid tableau of America's employment landscape during this tumultuous period. It's a tale of resilience, adaptability, and the inevitable challenges posed by well-intentioned policies. Absolutely. In the wake of COVID-19, with its vice-like grip on the economy causing businesses to shudder and jobs to evaporate overnight, the federal government leapt into action. They unveiled the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance, or PUA, and the Federal Pandemic Unemployment Compensation, affectionately dubbed FPUC. Imagine for a moment an artist and a gig worker, traditionally overlooked by the state unemployment insurance, now wrapped in the safety net of PUA. Meanwhile, FPUC acted as a bomb, offering an additional $600 weekly to those reeling from job loss. But as is often the case in the intricate ballet of economics, every solution poses its own set of quandaries. Whispers began to emerge. Were these unemployment benefits, as generous and necessary as they were, 
inadvertently dissuading people from rejoining the workforce? Indeed, in some cases, the allure of these benefits eclipsed potential earnings from regular employment. Arbogast and Dupour, our economic detectives for today, sought answers. They sifted through mountains of data, tracing the heartbeat of America's job market. What they found was intriguing. While job vacancies plunged in the pandemic's infancy, by May and June of 2020, they began to show green shoots of recovery. Employment growth, however, was like a bird tentatively learning to fly, hesitant and slow. Could the unemployment benefits be its shackles? Ah, and this is where our authors delve deeper, simulating a world without these. Emergency benefits. The results? Employment might soar, particularly in sectors battered most by the pandemic. Think of your favorite local cafe or the hotel by the beach. But there's a flip side. Yanking away these benefits could send ripples across the economy, contracting consumer spending and causing GDP to wince. Their solution? A delicate dance of policy adjustments. Perhaps wage subsidies or bolstering job training programs, thus ensuring both immediate relief and long-term employment stability. Truly, Arbogast and Dupour's study is a mirror reflecting both the triumphs and trials of policymaking. It underscores the delicate balancing act policymakers must master, weighing the immediate relief of the many against the long-term health of the economy. As we wind down today's episode, let's remember the pandemic as grim as it has. Bin also offers us invaluable lessons. Lessons about resilience, the interconnectedness of our actions, and the perennial importance of adaptability in policy and practice. Thank you for joining us on this enlightening journey. Stay curious, stay informed. And remember, every number has a story, every policy a ripple effect. Greetings, dear listeners, to yet another stimulating episode of our podcast. Today, we step into the hallowed marble hallways of commercial banks, delving into the world of managerial evaluations. But not just any evaluations, we're talking about the subtle art and science of subjective assessments in banking. Picture for a moment the vastness of a bank, the grandiose facade, the hum of transactions, the pressure of decision-making at every turn. Now consider the people at the helm, the managers. How does one gauge their prowess or their prowess in steering this massive vessel? Through numbers alone? Or is there more to the story? And that's where subjective assessments saunter in. Hey, think of them as the intricate. Brushstrokes on a canvas, adding depth and nuance, rather than the broad objective swathes of color. These are not just cold, hard stats. They're imbued with the wisdom, insight, and keen observation of those who've walked the banking corridors for years, the revered bank examiners. Ah, the bank examiners. The vigilant guardians of commercial banks. Their perceptions shape these subjective assessments. Instead of mere profit margins or loss figures, they tap into the subtle nuances 
the managerial magic that doesn't always reflect in black and white. Imagine a captain skillfully navigating stormy seas, ensuring the ship's safety even if it doesn't make record time. That's what a good manager might do, and subjective assessments capture this. Prowess. Precisely. And what's fascinating is that this soft lens can spotlight potential pitfalls. Well in advance. It's like sensing a storm brew while the sun still shines. A manager's misalignment with the team, or a hint of discord. These seemingly soft factors can crescendo into tsunamis, and subjective assessments can help preempt that. In today's episode, we'll unfurl the fabric of these evaluations. From performance. Symphonies played in ratings and narratives to the ever-intriguing role of soft information, those whispers, those hunches that seasoned examiners pick up. On, and of course, any art has its challenges. The shadow of bias, the conundrum of. Comparing apples to oranges, or in this case, managers across a diverse spectrum of banks. How do examiners walk this tightrope? And what alchemy results in the much-coveted camel's rating? Ah, but there's more. Research that guiding North Star. We'll delve into a riveting. Study by Dahl and Coster, a deep dive that bridges the abstract world of subjective assessments with the tangible realm of firm value. A connection every banker, regulator, or finance aficionado would find spellbinding. As we close this chapter, remember this, the banking world, with its grandeur, Gravitas is as much about numbers as it is about nuance. Subjective assessments are that bridge, connecting the tangible to the intangible, ensuring that the colossal edifice of commercial banking stands not just on profits but on the pillars of prudence, perception, and preemptive action. Thank you, dear listeners, for embarking on this journey with us. For those hungry for okay, more knowledge, Dahl and Coster's work awaits. Dive in and let the world of. Subjective assessments in banking unveil its mysteries to you. Until next time, keep those curiosity flames. Welcome, visionary listeners, to the sanctum of future finance, where ones and Zeros converge with economy and innovation. Today, we embark on a mystic voyage through the digital realm, christened as the blockchain revolution, decoding digital currencies. Picture an ancient treasure chest, its contents safeguarded by a myriad of complex locks. Yet instead of gold or jewels, this chest pulsates with digital codes, the lifeblood of our modern world. This, dear listeners, is the mesmerizing realm of Cryptocurrencies. Much like a conjurer's spell, cryptocurrencies are digital enigmas weaving together mathematics, cryptography, and ambition. Unlike the age old coins we clutch, which bear the mark of sovereign lands and mighty monarchs, these digital denizens owe allegiance to none but their creators and holders. They traverse an expansive realm, free from traditional sentinels like banks, making transactions as swift as an eagle's descent. But, Oh, what makes them truly enigmatic is the fabled blockchain. Picture a never-ending tapestry woven with every transaction, its threads intertwining across global looms, 
guarded not by knights, but by sentinel computers. This open diary, viewable by any wandering soul, tells tales of every coin's journey, ensuring the past remains unalterable, steadfast in the winds of time. Yet, as with all adventures, dragons lurk. The very strengths of cryptocurrencies. Their independence, their shadows, can also be their undoing. Shadows, after all, can hide both protectors and predators. Just as they can empower a merchant in a remote land, they can also cloak a rogue plotting mischief. Scams, mirages of grandeur, have ensnared many a hopeful investor in their treacherous grasp. Yet from these very shadows emerges the promise of dawn. Visionaries speculate that the essence of blockchain could reshape our world. Imagine a loom, but not weaving tales of coins, instead crafting chronicles of art, music, and even the very essence of trust. Blockchain promises more than financial revolution. It whispers of a future where authenticity and transparency reign supreme. And in the vast, echoing halls of power, mighty central banks gaze upon this. Revolution, not with trepidation, but with curiosity. They envisage their own ethereal coins, dancing not in the wild yonder, but within their own grand ballrooms. These central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs, might harness the winds of blockchain while anchoring them to the pillars of tradition. So, as we stand on the precipice of a new digital dawn, the shimmering horizon beckons with tales of glory, caution, and intrigue. Cryptocurrencies and blockchains, the fabled realms of our age, remind us that we are both the weavers of destiny and the narrators of history. As our journey through this episode concludes, remember, dear listener, the realm of blockchain is as vast as the skies and as deep as the oceans. Before you set sail, equip yourself with knowledge, seek guidance from the seasoned, and let your compass be that of curiosity and caution. Thank you for joining us on this fantastical sojourn into the blockchain revolution. Decoding digital currencies, may your path be lit with insight, and may the winds of innovation always be at your back. Until next time, keep exploring, keep questioning, and remain Greetings, fellow financial voyagers. Imagine embarking on a 20-year odyssey, steering the ship of commerce through roaring waves and shifting tides. Today, we're delving deep into a riveting manuscript that maps this journey, unraveling the tales of commercial banks in the United States from 2000 to 2020. Close your eyes and envision a colossal tree with roots embedded deep into the earth, branches sprawling across the horizon. This tree symbolizes our banking system. Each branch, each leaf, represents an intricate function the bank performs, whether it's safeguarding our hard-earned money, enabling transactions, or empowering dreams through loans. The dawn of the new millennium saw this tree flourish. But, just like nature's unpredictable wrath, even our financial canopy wasn't immune to tempests. Between its leaves lies a story one of challenges, rejuvenations, and unprecedented transformations. First, let's demystify this realm of financial intermediation. 
think of banks as the heart of our economic body, pumping lifeblood, or capital, to various organs, ensuring growth and vitality. They absorb our savings, our earnings, and redirect this energy to realms that need it, maybe a fledgling business or a family buying their first home. In this symbiotic relationship, the rhythm of beats or interest rates makes all the difference. It's what keeps the heart healthy, robust, and responsive. Yet, between 2000 and 2020, our financial tree was swayed by gales. The storm of 2008 was a hurricane that left scars on our magnificent tree. A myriad of reasons contributed to this storm, illusions of endless growth, blurry vision due to convoluted financial tools, and the contagious optimism of owning a home, even if one was teetering on the edge of their financial capabilities. This led to a cascade of fallen branches, shaking the trust many had in the robustness of this tree. Beyond this storm, the tree also had to weather the drizzle of persistently low interest rates. Imagine trying to thrive when the very rhythm that nourishes you slows down. However, much like nature's miracle, our tree not only survived, but evolved, adapting to its environment. What ensured its resilience? Its deep-rooted importance in our lives. These banks, these branches, nourished dreams, kept businesses afloat, and became anchors of stability in tumultuous times. Reflecting upon this, our manuscript uncovers two critical lessons. The first is the testament to the sheer resilience and adaptability of banks, evolving with the environment, still standing tall, casting its protective shadow upon the economy. Secondly, it underscores the necessity of vigilant guardians, regulators who, having learned from the storm, now ensure that our tree is healthier, stronger, and prepared for future adversities. In the end, the narrative from 2000 to 2020 is not just a chronicle of challenges, but a saga of learning, growth, and resurgence. As we disembark from this enlightening voyage, remember, while storms are inevitable, the strength lies in resilience, adaptability, and continuous nurturing. Dear listeners, thank you for charting these waters with us. As you reflect upon this journey, we await your return to embark on more enlightening explorations. Until then, may your financial sales remain ever resilient. Greetings trailblazers of finance and curious minds alike. Today, we unfurl the map of the monetary universe, casting our gaze upon the stars that guide economies, the future of monetary policy. With the winds of change billowing its sails, the Federal Reserve embarks on a new odyssey, charting waters both known and unknown. Ah, the Federal Reserve, a behemoth of finance, the lighthouse that guides the U.S., the economic ship through calm waters and stormy seas. For the uninitiated, picture it as the maestro of an orchestra, setting the tempo for the symphony of economic activity. It's baton, the federal funds rate, an instrument that dictates the rhythm at which banks lend and borrow. However, in recent times, our maestro has found its baton a tad less magical. Picture a conductor 
whose notes, at times, fail to reach the farthest corners of. The Concert Hall The lower limit on interest rates, the effective lower bound, has, in certain movements of our economic symphony, muffled the Fed's efforts to rejuvenate the melodies of growth. Recall the somber ballad of 2008, a financial requiem that echoed globally. The Fed, amidst the deafening silence of stalled growth and mounting joblessness, sought new compositions, new strategies. Fast forward to November 2018, and a promise was made, a grand review of the tools, the notes, and the crescendos that could revive the symphony of prosperity. And so, in August 2020, under the spotlight, a new score was unveiled. It sang not just of employment, but of inclusive employment. Imagine a dance where every American, regardless of their background, is invited to waltz, tango, or jive, ensuring no one remains a mere spectator. Yet, the dance of prices underwent its transformation, too. Gone was the fixed rhythm of a 2% inflation target. In its stead, a more fluid, adaptable beat emerged, the average inflation target. Imagine a tide that ebbs and flows, sometimes rising above, sometimes falling below, but always seeking equilibrium. What tales does this new composition tell for our economic future? A symphony. More inclusive, seeking harmony in every quarter, welcoming every instrument, and embracing the melodies of change. Yet, new compositions can sometimes be hard to grasp for the audience. Will they embrace the evolving rhythm, or will they yearn for familiar notes? Only time will render its critique. As we draw the curtains on today's performance, remember this. Monetary policy is as much art as it is science. With each stroke of its baton, the Federal Reserve paints our economic future, and like all art, it evolves, reflects, and hopes to resonate with its audience. You, the people. So, dear listeners, as you tune into the financial frequencies of tomorrow, be ready to. Dance to a tune that's both familiar yet novel, a testament to an ever-evolving world. Till we meet again at the crossroads of currency and curiosity, keep listening, keep wondering. Adieu. Welcome, dear listeners, to a historical tapestry where concrete roads intersect with the intricate web of socio-economic dynamics. Picture this, it's the 1960s. American society is amidst a transformative phase. The pulsating rhythm of rock and roll fills the air, civil rights movements are taking the streets, and simultaneously, there's an ambitious plan to weave the nation together with miles and miles of interstate highways. Now, while these highways promised progress, efficiency, and connectivity, they also carved deep imprints on the American residential landscape. Today, let's dive into a riveting research paper from the vaults of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis Review that unravels a narrative often overlooked in history books. Imagine a monopoly board. Houses, hotels, railroads, and yes, highways. Now, as the dice of time rolls and highways spring up, Certain properties bask in the rising sun of appreciation. 
The proximity to these highways meant ease of transportation, accessibility to businesses, and a ticket to urban prosperity. These properties glittered like gold. Yet as the research by Cohen, Loans, and Zhang reveals, this golden shine did not touch every neighborhood equally. As these roads of progress surged ahead, they often bulldozed their way through primarily African-American communities, leaving in their wake a trail of reduced property values, disrupted communities, and a simmering pot of socioeconomic consequences. Let's step into the shoes of two homeowners from this era, Mr. Smith, living closer to the highway, and Mr. Johnson, from a predominantly African-American neighborhood through which the highway now roars. Mr. Smith's property value soars as businesses boom around him. On the other side, Mr. Johnson, whose ancestral home now faces a looming overpass, finds the value of his property plummeting. This disparity, illuminated by the study, casts a spotlight on an uncomfortable truth. The wealth generated from these highways didn't flow uniformly. It led to caverns of inequality, with certain communities reaping the benefits and others bearing the brunt. Essentially, the very roads that aimed to connect America also deepened its divides. As we journey through history, it's essential to remember that every infrastructure project, while promising progress, also casts shadows. This research serves as a beacon for modern policymakers. As we pave roads for the future, we must ensure they bridge divides, not deepen them. In wrapping up this auditory voyage into the past, the tangled tale of the 1960s. Interstate highways serves as a stark reminder of the ripple effects of our decisions. The past, with its triumphs and its oversights, beckons us to pave a more equitable and informed path forward. Thank you for joining us on this introspective journey. We hope it provided a richer understanding of the intricate dance between infrastructure and societal impact. If your curiosity is piqued and you'd like to delve deeper, the research paper from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis Review awaits your perusal. As you cruise through life's highways, always remember, every road tells a story. Until next time, keep exploring, keep... Welcome, dear listeners, to a fascinating exploration that will take us deep into the intertwined realms of credit landscapes and the pulsing heart of corporate America. As we set out on this auditory journey, let's think about the immense waves of credit that flow through the arteries of our economy, bringing life to countless ventures. But, like every force of nature, these waves have an impact, and today, we'll navigate the intricate ripples they leave on firm market power. To set our compass right, let's first demystify credit expansion. Imagine a tap when you turn it on, water flows. That's the credit. Now, imagine opening that tap wider, more water, more credit. It's a tantalizing lifeline for businesses, allowing dreams to become enterprises and ideas to flourish into industries. But like a river that can nurture or flood, it's the management of this flow that determines its blessings or curses. As we traverse this topic, our guide will be a meticulously crafted study that offers a
profound gaze into how the availability of credit influences a firm's ability to dominate its market. Picture a bustling marketplace. As credit flows in, some vendors, with their unique strategies and resources, begin to rise like towering skyscrapers, overshadowing others. They set prices, dictate terms, and effectively, the contours of the marketplace begin to change. This metamorphosis is captured in terms like markup, which is essentially the price difference between the cost to produce and the selling price. The study reveals that when credit surges, there's not just an elevation in average markup, but also a diversification, meaning some companies soar exceptionally high while others remain grounded. The scientific rigor behind this insight is grounded in a methodological compass called the local projection method, a brainchild of Jord in 2005. Imagine a lens that offers a clearer, distortion-free view into the intricate dance of economic variables. Such robust tools aid in unwrapping the dynamic bond between variables like the aggregate markup and another critical actor on our stage household debt. Visualize a seesaw. On one side, you have household debt as it rises on the other. And the aggregate markup soars. Their movements, synchronized and interconnected, paint a picture of a financial ecosystem where every element is interdependent. The implications? They echo in boardrooms and government chambers. For the policymakers, the guardians of our economic order, it's a clarion call to tread with caution. Every rush of credit can empower firms, but it's a double-edged sword. For businesses, the landscape of credit isn't just an opportunity. It's a strategic realm affecting their very DNA, from pricing to market stature. In summing up our expedition today, this intricate ballet of credit market power, and firm dynamics isn't just academic jargon. It's the rhythm of modern economies. It's what shapes the products we buy, the prices we pay, and the vibrancy of our marketplaces. We recommend diving deeper into this ocean of knowledge with the study credit expansion and markups by Yilichin, Ung-suk Lee, and Jun-sung Lee, a guiding light in these complex waters. Thank you for embarking on this enlightening voyage with us. Stay curious, keep questioning, and remember, every tide, every economic wave has a story, a lesson, and a world within. Until our path. Welcome, cherished listeners, to a profound exploration into the kaleidoscope of our post-pandemic world. Today, we delve into the reverberations of COVID-19 on the intricate tapestry of employment and household consumption. Our narrative isn't just about global figures or market indices. It's about human lives, their daily struggles, and the silent battles that aren't captured in statistics alone. The cataclysmic storm of COVID-19 has undeniably shaken the pillars of our global economy. Its footprints are evident in silent offices, deserted malls, and the hallowed halls of enterprises. Yet, beneath these overarching impacts lies a more nuanced, often overshadowed narrative. The tempest of the pandemic has not swept everyone with the same ferocity. 
certain segments of our society found themselves on the front line of its wrath. Picture for a moment the households across the economic spectrum. Those at the pinnacle could pivot to the safety of remote work. Their homes transformed into offices, sheltered from the looming shadows of unemployment. Yet, for those on the lower rungs, especially the bottom quintile, the tale was starkly different. Visualize the waitress, the janitor, or the bus driver, their roles couldn't be transposed onto a Zoom call. They faced the harrowing choice, brave the viral storm, or watch their economic security crumble. The palette of this pandemic's impacts also bore racial hues. Non-white. Communities found themselves disproportionately at the mercy of COVID-19 economic aftershocks. Think about the fervent energy of a bustling hotel or the vibrant aisles of retail shops, now eerily muted. These industries, among others, predominantly employed non-white households, became the early casualties. The ramifications were felt deeply when dinner tables across these households stared back, devoid of ample nourishment. A haunting hunger prevailed more in black and Hispanic households, with the specter of insufficient food casting its grim shadow. So, where does this leave us in terms of our shared future? The pandemic has unfurled a scroll of revelations, the sanctity of what we termed low-wage jobs, the backbone of our daily lives, needs revaluation. The cashier behind the counter, the nurse working tireless shifts, and the delivery personnel are not mere cogs in a giant wheel. They are its very lifeblood. This renewed appreciation must be accompanied by just compensation and social elevation. Moreover, COVID-19 has brought forth a glaring spotlight on the fragile financial cushions many households precariously balance upon. A society's strength lies in its unity, and policies must evolve to cast a safety net wide enough to embrace every vulnerable household. Lastly, this pandemic was also a clarion call for robust public health infrastructure. The ripples of economic and societal upheaval we felt were exacerbated by our collective unpreparedness. To brave future storms, an ounce of prevention will always outweigh a pound of cure. In summation, COVID-19 was not just a health crisis. It was a magnifying glass that laid bare the inequities embedded in our societal fabric. As we pivot towards a brighter horizon, the lessons we glean from these trying times must guide our path, sculpting a world where inclusivity isn't an aspiration, but a reality. Thank you for joining us on this enlightening voyage. We hope this discourse resonates, prompts reflection, and stokes the embers of positive change. Until our next auditory rendezvous, Stay curious, stay compassionate, and remember every story holds a lesson. Every voice matters. Welcome, dear listeners, to a fresh episode that promises to shed light on an event that reverberated through the financial nerve centers of the globe, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Close your eyes for a moment and imagine the bustling energy of global trading floors teeming with life and anticipation. Now, stir in the uncertainty and volatility of a geopolitical event, and you'll get a sense of the maelstrom we're diving into today. 
the year 2022 became a touchstone for the financial world with the Russian-Ukraine conflict taking center stage. It was not just a clash of military might, but an event that sent shockwaves rippling through the serene waters of the world's financial ponds. Picture this, oil, the lifeblood of many an economy, saw its prices skyrocketing, not solely due to the direct involvement of Russia and Ukraine, but because the world feared the security of oil routes in the tumultuous Middle East might be jeopardized. But the repercussions didn't stop there. Our daily bread, quite literally, came under. Threat as prices of essential commodities like wheat and corn soared. Visualize the golden fields of Ukraine, often dubbed the breadbasket of Europe, now under a shadow of uncertainty. The aftershock of these rising costs was felt most poignantly in the kitchens of grain-importing nations, where households already grappling with constraints saw food expenses climb. Switch your gaze to the towering skyscrapers housed. The conflict unfurled, a chill wind blew through these monolithic structures. Stocks, especially of entities deeply entwined with Russia and Ukraine, think mammoth energy firms and sprawling banks, plummeted, haunted by the specters of possible sanctions and disruptions. If you've ever traveled, you know the importance of exchange rates. The Russian rubles dance during these trying times was a hesitant waltz of devaluation, cascading into rampant inflation within its borders and leaving ordinary Russians grappling with a suddenly eroded purchasing power. This tale is not just a chronological account, but a poignant reminder of our interconnected world's fragility. Geopolitical events, like mighty tremors, can unsettle the fine balance of global finance, making it imperative for both the astute investor and the visionary policymaker to be ever vigilant, always prepared. As we draw the curtains on this episode, let's reflect on the symbiotic relationship between global events and financial tides. Our deep dive today was merely a drop in this vast ocean of economic interplay. To satiate your curiosity further, the financial market reactions to the Russian invasion of Ukraine report beckons. Think of it as your compass in navigating the intricate pathways of global finance in the shadow of geopolitical giants. Thank you for entrusting us with your time today. The world of finance, as vast as it seems, is woven intricately with the threads of worldwide events. As we sign off, remember that knowledge is your most potent shield in these turbulent times. Until we meet again in another episode, stay curious, stay informed, and let the world of finance